0: So we're going to think about uh, power tonight, and um, this uh, grow, kind of, the, in this kind of current part of grow, we're just focused on some of the the kind of foundational stuff that we need to grapple with. And um, last month we were thinking about what it means to to love Jesus, and tonight I just want to focus on what it means to grow in power. Um, and as I said this morning, uh, this. Uh, Sunday evening thing that we do is all about helping you think about how can you move forward in your relationship with Jesus and become more like Jesus uh, each and every day. Uh, so tonight we're going to focus on growing in power. Um, and what do I mean by power, first of all, and what do I mean by growing in power? So power is something that is promised to all disciples. Uh, Acts eight: you will receive Power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. It's part of the receiving of the Holy Spirit that we receive power. And the Greek word is dunamis, uh, which we get the word dynamite from. It truly is power. It's not some kind of weird and wonderful thing. It is power, and we are given power. Uh, And we are able to grow in that power, I believe. We're not just given a kind of lump sum of it and that's it. Uh, I think we need to learn how to use what we have, uh, but also we are able to keep moving in that power and grow in that power. In um, Ephesians 3, this is what Paul says, uh, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in a church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. God can do immeasurably more than you have experienced so far, immeasurably more than you can imagine God doing through you and in you, immeasurably more than what we've experienced as church globally. God's power is not limited. And what we see in the church today is simply a little tiny, it's not even the tip of the iceberg, it's like... Just the kind of the top molecule of the iceberg. You know, that's where we're at. There is so much more of God's power that we can experience. Now, I don't believe we can simply take that power, if only we could. It is given to us. Power is always given from God. And there may be areas of our lives that would hinder us receiving that power. But we don't basically have any control over this. But there are certain things I think we can do that would help us to receive power when God wants to pour it out upon us. And that's what I want to focus on tonight. So we can grow in this. And he can do way more than he has done so far in and through you, in and through our church, in and through our church nationally. It's his power at work within us that I'm focusing on tonight. So how can we do that? Let me just give you some tips tonight, because that's what this kind of thing is all about. It's about just trying to share what we see in Scripture, about different aspects to help us to move forward in it. The first thing is this, uh, fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Uh, We say the grace, don't we? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And the fellowship, fellowship is all about communion. It is all about being together. It is always about just sharing something together, walking with one another. And, of course, the Holy Spirit is our paraclete. Paraclete means one who walks alongside. And so we need to remember that if we are to grow in the power of the... And power is never just some kind of disembodied thing. It is always embodied within the Holy Spirit. If we are to grow in power, then we need to develop and uh, grow in our relationship with the Holy Spirit. And so fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Make sure you fellowship with the Holy Spirit every day. We are a Trinitarian church. That means we believe in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we can engage with God in different ways with all three persons of the Godhead. And we need to reflect that actually our life in Christ also means a life in the Spirit. And I would encourage you to reflect on just that simple verse. Uh, if you didn't even know it was in the Bible, that it was just something we said in church. It's actually in 2 Corinthians 13. The grace of our Lord Jesus and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. He is the one who is alongside us all the time. And so often, we, I mean, we use it as a shorthand, don't we? When we talk about Jesus being with us, what we really mean is the Holy Spirit. And all day, every day, you can walk with an acknowledgement and an experience of the Holy Spirit. Jesus did. And we are called to be like Jesus. So let me encourage you, first of all, fellowship with the Holy Spirit each and every day. Spend time with him. May your prayer time include an opportunity, a time to simply receive from the Holy Spirit. To ask him to fill you again with power. The second thing is this. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Uh, there are two verses in the New Testament that indicate to us that there is something that we do. And it's never fully explained, unfortunately. Really frustrating, but it's not. Uh, but there are two things, two verses. One is uh, that the Spirit says, "If so it says that the Spirit can be grieved, do not grieve the Holy Spirit." And in one Thessalonians five says, "Do not quench the Spirit." So there are things that we can do in life that would squash or grieve the Spirit of God, and. I've heard it described like this: that you know, one of the images of the Holy Spirit is a dove, and a dove is easily scared away. A dove is more uh, kind of uh, frightened or scared than a pigeon. It's not like a pigeon. Pigeons now are pretty bold, aren't they? You know, you can just walk past them and by your feet pecking away at things. But you can scare a dove away. And through your actions, through your behaviour, through your sin you can grieve and quench the Spirit of God within you. And we see it particularly in the Old Testament, where uh, the phrase that was often used in the Old Testament, and it's used in the New Testament as well, is anointing. So certain people were anointed by God. In other words, they had something, not the whole work, but something of the work of the Spirit upon them. Kings particularly were anointed by God with the Holy Spirit. But they could lose that anointing. Judges, for instance, that happens a lot. So Samson, and we all know the story of Samson. And he lost the anointing upon him because of his sinfulness, because of his lust after Delilah. And power was taken away from him. That incredible strength, that was not a natural strength, it was a supernatural strength. It was taken away from him. And we all carry an anointing. It is uh, a proper New Testament phrase that we are anointed by God. And by that, what I think uh, the writers mean is that we, are, we all receive the Holy Spirit. But the receiving of the Holy Spirit allows us to move in power in different ways. Each of us has a way of working in the power of God in different ways. Some of us are good at uh, just ministering to people for healing and wholeness. Some of us are good at preaching or whatever. Some of us are good at leading worship. Some of us are good at administration, which can be and is often a gift of the Holy Spirit. We can be anointed in that area, but we lose that anointing. It doesn't mean that you can't minister. It simply means that the thing that made you stand out in that area, that made you special, you suddenly lose something of that. And there are different times where uh, people have talked about this, and I've experienced it myself, so uh, when preaching, sometimes I've felt a, a particular anointing from God, like an extra sense of God's power at work in me as I've preached. And then other times I'm thinking, wow, where's the power gone? I need to step back and come back to God and think out. Well, what in what way may I have grieved the Holy Spirit? I want to encourage you to value and cherish the work of the Holy Spirit in you. I think sometimes, certainly within charismatic circles, we've become so used to it, so kind of. Um, complacent about the work of the Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit in you is holy. The power of the Holy Spirit at work in you and through you to touch the lives of others needs to be cherished and nurtured. And you need to hold on to that, not kind of in a greedy way where you're not using it, but hold on to it to nurture it and grow it. It's incredible, isn't it, that God would choose to use people like you and me. That God would allow his power to be at work, flowing through us. That his Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, whose power raised Jesus from the dead, is at work in you. That is a holy, sacred thing. And we need to guard it. We need to cherish it. next thing I would encourage you to do is to keep on learning, relearning sometimes, obedience. Obedience is the environment in which the power of God works. Why would God give you power if you are not going to choose to use that power for the things that God calls you to do? whether that's praying for people or sharing your faith or whatever. Obedience is key to this. See, when God calls you to do something, he will always equip you. That's the wonderful thing about God. He doesn't call us and then watch us fail. He always equips us. He gives us what we need. And God is calling each and every one of us And he's already equipped you to do what he's called you to do. You only need to be obedient. And it is constantly stepping out in obedience that helps you nurture and grow the power of God within you. So uh, Simon, the other week, and and I've done this as well, uh, felt God say to him, uh, I'll use his example because it's best to demean him rather than myself. Uh, he was in a shop. He felt God uh, call, say something to him about going to talk to someone who was in the shop. Just can't kind of go up and start chatting away. He felt it was like God encouraging him to do that, I need chickens out. I've done that very same thing. How many here have felt God call him to do something like that, just to connect with someone, and you thought, like, not sure, yeah, it's scary, isn't it? But it's actually the stepping out in obedience that enables us to keep moving forward and to keep growing in the power of God. Now, just because you've not done that does not mean that God's taken his power away. Fortunately, he's a bit more gracious than that. But if you want to move forward in it, if you want to grow in it, learning to be, well, I'm just going to have to bite the bullet here and go and do it and see what God will do and learn through that process then that will help you grow and discover more of God's power in you. And what that does is it helps build faith. When you start to realise, actually when you do step out, my experience is there a few times when I am obedient, uh, that when I step out, God's always there, God's doing stuff. And that's exciting, but it also builds Faith. Allows you to believe that God can actually use you and do more through you than you've experienced so far. And so, obedience is the environment, if you like, in which power grows, it's the soil in which it grows. I would encourage you also to pray for power. In fact, I would suggest that you pray and fast. You all know the story, don't you, in uh, Matthew 17, where uh, the disciples are trying to cast a demon out of a boy. And uh, Jesus, with uh, three of his disciples being up on the the mountain, where the whole transfiguration experience happens, as they come down, the father runs to Jesus and says, your disciples, they can't help my son. And what's he say? He says, this kind of demon can only come out by prayer and fasting. And there's two things there, there is just a need for us to seek power from God, to plead with God for more power in our lives and in our church, and more than at any other point I think in, in my lifetime as a Christian, that we need that power. You know, this nation is absolutely ripe for taking for the kingdom if only the church would step out as we look at all the things that have failed us, all the things that are just falling apart around us, the one thing that we hold true is the word of God and the the salvation of God. It's part of our national history. It's the rock on which this nation was founded and we can hold on to that and share the love of God to this nation and it is ripe for taking. But we need the power of God too. We can't just do that in our own strength. And there's something about fasting that releases something of the power of God. I don't know how that works. I don't know why fasting seems to do that. But I would encourage you to think about fasting regularly. Whether that's simply a meal or a day. Whatever. But to put alongside your pleading with God for power. Fasting giving up something, usually food, to, to simply say to God, look, I am serious about this. I am long... It, this means more to me than food itself. If we're to see power, then it will come through prayer and fasting. I would encourage you also to recognise your weakness. I, uh, I did a kind of Google, well, um, a search in my Bible app, uh, just looking for a particular verse about you know, where Paul says, you know, uh, in my weakness, uh, your strength is made perfect. Uh, and I was actually surprised at how often that same idea comes up in Scripture. That's in our weakness that God's power is made evident. So Romans eight twenty six. Paul says this, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We are weak, but the Spirit helps us. 2 Corinthians 12 is the one I was talking about. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. 2 Corinthians 13 For to be sure, Jesus was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by God's power. Hebrews 11, where it talks about uh, how God quenched the fury of the the, the flames, whose weakness was turned to strength. See, sometimes we have to realise just how little we can do for God. that kind of jars with a lot of us because we are taught that, you know, wow, we're now the pinnacle of humanity. We've achieved so much. Kids these days are taught there's nothing they can't achieve. We've probably even taught that to our kids. You know, just If you put your mind to it, there's nothing that you can't achieve. And yet in the kingdom of God, it's just the opposite. If we are to do the things of God, we must do it in the power of God, not in our own strength. And so I would encourage you, not in a kind of you know, kind of self-flagellation kind of thing, about you know, oh I can't do anything, but to realise that compared to the power of God, you can do nothing. You can't heal anyone, you can't fix anyone. Christians love to try and fix people. We see other people as broken, and we want to try and make them better. You literally cannot sort anyone out. If that's the one thing I've learned in 30-odd years of ministry, it's that we can't fix anyone. God can. But unless that person is prepared to come to God... And work with God on sorting out their issues, then nothing is going to happen. All you can do is take people to Jesus and see what they will do together. You can't do anything out of your own strength. It's not by might, it's not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And so realize your own weakness. Watch yourself when you are ministering to people. How much of it are you trying to fix them? How much of it is simply about you trying to look good? Because for all of us, it's the same. We all have mixed motives when it comes to helping people. Some of it is out of real concern for people. Some of it is about wanting to glorify God. But some of it is also, if we're really honest about it, I'd love to sort them out because then I would look good. We all have those kind of mixed motives. And so realise your weakness. And when you realise your weakness, you realise just how much you have to rely on the power of God in order to achieve anything. And finally... Uh, and I couldn't work out how to phrase this I've put it moving towards powerlessness this is simply put yourself in places where your weakness is evident and where you have to trust on God and the more you realise that you are weak the more obvious those places are I love this image don't you? Just that moment of that person's just about to fall. Has anyone ever done that kind of trust exercise where you know you're going to fall back and you're just trying to rely on God? But in this case, they're falling into water. They're going to fall into a place where they've got no idea what's there. They're simply going to have to trust. And the more you seek places of security, the less power you will see in your life. the more you go after those places where you are uncomfortable, those places where you feel powerless, where you feel out of your depth, those places where you feel, I don't think I've got anything to offer here. Those are the places that you need to move towards in order to see the power of God at work. So whether on praying for healing, there's nothing that we can do to heal anyone but you're putting yourself in a place where I'm simply going to trust God for this. And yet there's so many other op- opportunities to do that. Whether it's at work where you're going to perhaps share your faith. Where you feel absolutely inadequate to the questions that people will ask you. And that the more though you put yourself out there, the more God will use you and the more power you'll seek. It's only by consistently doing that on a regular basis, learning from every experience, trusting God every moment, that you'll start to see the power of God at work. Our natural tendency, and I said this this morning, is to move towards comfort and security. And yet that is the very opposite of where Jesus and the Holy Spirit would want to take us. We all love, don't we, the stories of missionaries who who did incredible things and saw incredible acts of God's power. And yet they were the ones who headed off to places of absolutely insecurity, of absolute danger. It's there in those places where they had only the power of God to rely on that they saw the power of God at work. And you do not have to go to outer Mongolia to experience that. You simply have to go to Duke Street or on Lord Street or wherever. Because the experience can still be the same there. Move towards those places where you feel most uncomfortable. And in those places, ask God, what would you have me do here? And be brave enough to do it. I don't know about you, but I'm really tired of playing church. I have to play church. I get paid to play church. And I say play church deliberately because it's not church. I have to do all sorts of kind of Church of England things that mean absolutely nothing in the kingdom of God. And some of it's necessary to make an organization work and all that kind of stuff. But what I long to see is a church that is fully equipped with the power of God, that is stepping out constantly to do God's work in God's way. And all the time, churches are kind of either retreating from the world or trying gimmicks and all sorts of things. And yet what we simply need is the power of God. We wouldn't have to do any of the things that we do now if only we had the power of God at work in us that is at our disposal. So I want to finish by, by us praying together. Maybe you guys could come up. Um, I was was just trying to work out, how would we finish this tonight? And I think what we should do is maybe just for a few moments, some of us just pray for the power of God. For the power of God to fall upon us as individuals, and to fall upon us as church. And my heart's desire is that before I die, and that's not long now, (laughs) I mean, I've had this desire for a long time, and I still have that desire, and time's getting short. My desire is to see revival. I would love to see and experience revival. Where we see hundreds and thousands of people coming to Jesus. Where incredible things happen. Where God is doing miracle after miracle after miracle. That place, revival is always that place where there's a, a thin space between earth and heaven. And God just pours out his spirit and people get saved Miraculously. And people get healed. And relationships get restored. And purpose is given to people. And the church truly becomes the church. And I long to see that before I die. Anyone else feel that way? So what I'd love you to do is just to stand. And could I encourage just a few people to pray out loud for us? Pray out really loud so that people can't hear, can hear you. Um, you know, make sure you lift your head and all that kind of stuff. But pray out really loud. Because only when the people of God start seeking the power of God will the power come. So maybe a few people could pray.